0: This season of the Curiosity Club podcast is sponsored by Simprove. Simprove is committed to furthering the understanding of the function and role of the gut microbiome by using a scientific approach to developing the most effective bacteria-based product. Put simply, Simprove helps to support your gut microbiome and balance your gut bacteria. What I love about it is its water-based formulation that contains four unique strains of live-activated bacteria. Because of this unique formulation, Simprove will not trigger digestion, meaning the bacteria will arrive to your gut unharmed and infill strength. Survive the harsh acidic environment that is your stomach and thrive in your gut to colonize successfully. Simprove's 12-week program will give you the best chance of nourishing your gut bacteria and supporting your gut microbiome. The more I learn about gut health, the more important I realise it is. And I'm currently in my 12-week programme and I love knowing that I am supporting and topping up the good bacteria that lives within me. If you want to join me on your own programme, Simprove have been kind enough to give all you lovely curious folk a special 15% discount for a limited time using the code CURIOSITYCLUB15. Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, a safe place for the real life lessons that we didn't get taught in school. Each season, I have conversations with inspiring experts who share their wisdom around our seven peaks of curiosity. Together, we learn how to break the patterns, habits, and mindsets that limit our potential, hinder our happiness, and impact our well-being. I'm your host, life and business coach, Katri Barrett, and these are the life lessons for modern humans. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8. And for today's episode, I had an incredibly insightful conversation with nutritional therapist and author, Eve Kalinic. Now, this conversation, I learned so many things. Gut health has been one of those areas that I've kind of been meaning to learn more about knowing with all the new research coming out that it's something I should explore for myself in particular since working with our sponsors Simprove I have learned more ways of how I can support my the microbiome and what that means so I was really keen to talk to Eve about why why is it so important what is the connection between our gut and our overall well-being in particular when it comes to our, our mental and emotional health Eve's first book, Be Good to Your Gut, was published in 2017 and her second, Happy Gut, Happy Mind, was released at the end of August. So it's brand new and out there, ready for you to order. What I love about Eve's approach is how she draws on science and research around gut-brain connection, which is fascinating. We're going to be diving into that, you shall hear. Also alongside her clinical experience. And she uses both of these things and all of these things to give insight into this bi-directional relationship and how it works between our gut and our brains, as well as the diet and lifestyle steps that we can all be taking to support this connection. She also has a regular column writing, for psychology's magazine called Happy Gut and hosts masterclasses with The Guardian. In this episode, I asked Eve to explain what actually is meant by gut health. What does it look like? What does it mean? What are the symptoms to know if perhaps you need to kind of be working on your gut health the symptoms that could be coming with it what we could be doing all to support our gut brain connection the influence that gut microbiome can have on our cognitive ability our cognitive health we explore the vagus nerve and also something that i found so exciting that i didn't know before is this relatively new science of psychobiotics so listen to this episode to find out all of these new insights as I've said loads of this stuff I have never heard before and I'm very excited to share it with you all with you all you'll also leave after listening with this with lots of tips to start supporting your own gut health um, moving forward from now so enjoy as always leave a rating and review letting us know what your biggest takeaways are and I will see you next time just a quick note most of the interviews were recorded during lockdown over zoom which isn't the best for audio so please do excuse the sound quality we were doing the best with what we had well welcome eve thank you so much for joining us
1: oh it's lovely to be here um yeah and thank you for inviting me onto the podcast
0: to start off, anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do can you give us a little introduction to you
1: yeah, so um, I'm a nutritional therapist and a functional medical practitioner, so um, I sort of work with food and um, lifestyle to help kind of um, support my clients. Um, I'm also an author. Um, I've got one book Published, which is be good to your gut, and my second book, um, Happy Gut, Happy Mind, is coming out at the end of August. Um, I've got a particular interest in gut health, so um, yeah, anything to do with the gut is my kind of my kind of thing. So yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: And that, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about your book, which sounds very exciting. So we're definitely going, definitely going to come to that today. I think just to start, though, what could you tell us a little bit more for anyone who doesn't know about what functional medicine is?
1: Yeah, so nutritional therapy or naturopathic nutrition and functional medicine, it's all really, um, in a nutshell, it's looking to support the individual through a more personalized um integrative approach. So it's uh, essentially trying to kind of address underlying causes rather than just being purely about symptom-based treatment. So, um, you know, that could be looking at potential triggers and drivers for somebody's past, which could be, um, you know, a, a particular period in time where symptoms started or lifestyle changes um and helping them to sort of helping to sort of work back to help address that rather than like i said just focusing on the symptoms that they're presenting with you know currently um so it would be in that sort of integrative type of um approach looking not just at you know, food and diet is one sort of pillar of wellness, but also looking at things like um, lifestyle, which could be stress, you know, exercise, things like sleep um, as well, which is a big one. So really looking at lots of my- myriad sort of factors that can be contributing to what has brought the client to you in that current moment.
0: Mm, and I think it's so that's so fascinating, and I think the way. we we need to kind of have so much more of that where we're looking at the whole picture and, and I love that with within functional medicine, part a huge part of it is, that, as you said there, the sort of looking back at, at someone's history, and, and rather than just kind of that superficial symptoms, really trying to look at look at everything to do with their them and their lifestyle that could be contributing. It's so 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 interesting. I, I always want to le- learn so much more about it, and in particular, something uh, recently I have been fascinated about gut health. It's one of those things that I always sort of was like, I must like I must learn more about that. Like putting it on my to do list to kind of to investigate more, and I am still very much learning. I think since since doing this series with the, our wonderful sponsors Simprove who I know you do a lot of work with, and we'll, we'll yeah. talk, talk about them. That sort of has helped me kind of learn a little bit more. I've looked into it a bit, but as as sort of an expert in that this area, it, something that I'm really fascinated, and I know we've touched upon, is how the, is the relationship between gut health and the sort of different systems of your body, like what what influence does it does it have on us why is it so important
1: yeah so um you know i think to start off with i mean i sort of got into gut health in a way that it sort of found me rather than the other way around but i'm kind of happy that it worked out like that um and it is, this, it is an area of science that is relatively new in a way, as in we were only really discovering about the gut and the gut microbiome, which are all of the trillions of microbes that live in our gut in the last eight, yeah, 20 to 30 years. Um, but it is gaining huge amounts of traction quite rapidly in terms of our understanding about how our gut and our gut microbiome um, affects our overall health and well-being. So, a lot of the time we think about our, or stereotypically we might just associate our gut health with you know digestion and not really kind of understand that it does you know a huge amount more than that so you know um the gut microbiome in fact because of all of what we're at, kind of our understanding around it we now know that because of its far-reaching influence and all of the um yeah, all of the kind of effect it has on our our overall well being, it's almost being considered an organ in its own right because of that reason. And um you know, some what we do know is that it has a huge amount of a, a role to play in the functioning of our immune system. For instance, I don't think many people know that like seventy to eighty percent of our immune system is located in our gut, and it a large part of that depends on the health of our gut microbiome. So having a nice healthy balance of microbes in our gut. Um, Because they help to manage that, Um, but also things like managing inflammation. So not just inflammation in our gut, but more broadly in our body. And I think inflammation is one sort of key um, denominator in a lot of chronic diseases, um, which you know uh, is has become much more prevalent over the last, say, twenty to thirty years. Um, And the other part is to do with the gut brain connection and looking at the association between the health of our gut and the health of our brain and our cognitive health. So there's huge amounts that our gut has an influence in. Um, Those are just a few that we kind of know about, but there's more and more being uncovered. So...
0: But that is so fascinating that you said that it's now kind of almost at the point of being recognised as being an organ within its in its own right. That's so interesting. And the the seventy to eighty percent um, of our immune system, I think, especially in in light of everything that's been going on during the pandemic, and everyone kind of seeking for for and an acknowledging that what can we do? And I suppose boosting, making sure your immune system is as as, as in its best sort of state as it can be. It obviously it sounds like the look not it's so important to not ignore your gut and sort of I, I think that's something I'm I'm realising and I hope anyone else is listening if you're not already and but the last part that you mentioned there that uh, is something that I'm so fascinated in and I have heard you talk about which was one of um um one of the main reasons as well why I, I reached out for this season which is all about mental and emotional well-being that is that gut brain um connection can you tell us a little bit more about about what that is and how the gut can influence our sort of mental well-being and en- en- emotional well-being
1: yeah so um as I mentioned before the science around the gut and the gut microbiome is relatively new in the grander scheme of um you know medical understanding however um this sort of subdivision of it which is the gut brain connection is even more I guess um current um in that it's kind of really gained momentum over the last 15 years but um Uh, again that's that's rapidly developing and what we always thought of as more of a kind of top-down communication so we all we've all we all know that kind of gut feelings and the butterflies in the stomach feelings where our brain like we might be in you know an anxious situation like giving a presentation or going out for a date or whatnot um so we all all kind of resonate with that feeling of butterflies in in the stomach and that connection between our brain talking to our gut but what we know now know is it's much more of a bi-directional relationship so our gut in various ways talks back to our brain Um, and a lot of that has to do with the gut microbiome so again coming back to those trillions of microbes that live in our gut they produce certain substances that then help to communicate back to our brain to tell us whether or not you know in various ways, whether the, there's inflammation or, um, you know, even producing things like neurotransmitters that are basically chemical messengers that, again, we always thought were just produced in our brain, but actually a lot of those, the same ones producing in our gut, and our gut microbiome has a sort of direct and indirect way of using those tr- new, same neurotransmitters, which is absolutely fascinating. Um so, yeah, it's much more of a bi-directional relationship.
0: So I understand correctly, that the, so you can actually get neurotransmitters in your gut, the same, the same ones, on all of them, yeah. I imagine.
1: So the chemical structure of them is exactly the same. Um, so things like serotonin, which a lot of people will know about in terms of our happy, inverted commas, happy neurotransmitter. So 95% of our overall body's yeah. production of, of serotonin is in our gut. So the majority of your serotonin production is actually in your gut. Now, we're not entirely sure about how that influences necessarily the amount of serotonin in our brain. Um, but um, peripherally, we know that there's a lot that is produced in our gut. And serotonin in our gut has a role to play with things like um motility through our gut for instance so um what yeah we're not sure exactly how that influences how much serotonin is in our brain but our microbes have an indirect way of influencing brain levels of serotonin by kind of shifting the availability of the precursor to serotonin that can then cross over the blood-brain barrier so it's yeah it's really it's really kind of exciting to know that um, those same neurotransmitters are produced in our gut as well as our brain. So that's why it's often you hear the gut being called the second brain, because it's the only organ that can operate independently of our, you know, big brain.
0: That's so interesting. I had no idea about that. I think the, the, I, I remember it was only a few years ago doing, when I was um, a, a yoga teacher and doing a certain, um, at my yin yoga training, I think, and discovering and learning about the, the vagus nerves, which I had never, I, whether or not I might have learned about them in school, but didn't recall. Maybe I wasn't listening in that science lesson, but I certainly had, yeah, it was not part of my knowledge. And I was so fascinated because those, those are the literal, the brain gut. Connectors, right? The The highway,
1: basically. The vagus nerve is almost like the highway between the gut and the brain. And actually, yeah, that's the neurotransmitters are the kind of communication, main communication that's used between the two via that vagus nerve.
0: Oh, it's, it, I do, I find it absolutely fascinating. It's one of the, the more I learn about, about this, and, and as I've le- already learned multiple things or just during this conversation of new things, it just makes me think, why, why is it this common knowledge? And as you said, it is a new, the the science is relatively new and there's still, by the sounds of it, a lot that I think we might uncover, which is, is as you said, so exciting. Is there, um, can you tell us a little bit more about what the, the, the science behind it? And I know that when we had a brief chat before, you'd mentioned a few things which I would love to um, kind of unpack a little bit such as psychobiotics probiotic therapy mapping the microbiome Uh, can you tell us about these things because i think they sound so interesting i'd love to know more
1: yeah so yeah like i said the science is very very new around this sort of area but um but there are some really exciting potentials let's just call it that so there's um there's a couple of key um well, there's, there's a lot of people obviously running research and studies on this, but there's a there's a, a couple of guys based in Cork who um, essentially coined the concept of psychobiotics. Um, they are a neuro... Uh, neurologist and a or neuroscientist sorry actually not entirely sure but a neuroscientist basically somebody that's um, interested in the science of the brain and a clinical psychiatrist Um, and together they um, yeah they did a lot of what they kind of noticed with their patients that were exhibiting um, psychiatric issues that they also had gut symptoms and so their exploration into that has come about with this term of psychobiotics and the idea being that potentially by altering um, the the kind of the microbiome, so all the the gut microbiome, all the the microbes in our gut and the types of neurotransmitters that they produce, that it could have a role in helping to um, support some types of sort of therapy around Um, mood disorders. Um, Again we're a long way off and I'm certainly not suggesting that anybody stop any medications and start taking probiotics because that's definitely not something you should do without specific guidance but it's a very interesting idea and so they've written a book called The Psychobiotic Revolution for any listeners that want to go and read a bit more about it but there are hundreds now of studies around the role of the microbiome related to things like mood disorders, um, but even other sort of um, cognitive conditions like neurodegenerative conditions like Parkinson's, again, some really pioneering studies around that, which I know um, even related to SIM prove that they've definitely been involved and are partaking in some of those, um, you know, really kind of, like I said, pioneering studies.
0: Oh, wow. So this is so much more, isn't it, than just, I think, people, people I, I, what I gather from certain people when I hear them talk about gut health in quite a dismissive way is that they kind of think, oh, it's, it's just another kind of health fact. But there's so much science now, as, you, as we've just talked about here, and I'm sure I, I'm going to go away and do my own research as well, because I think... It's so fascinating and exciting that hopefully, if this could unlock some, you know, an, a new way of helping mental health issues, of helping um, neurodise- neuro- neurodiseases, disease, neuro Not sure if that's a word, but like Par- Parkinson's. How incredible and exciting that 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 is.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, one of the key, one of the main symptoms in Parkinson's is constipation. It's one of the the earliest signs of. Parkinson's so you know it is it is really interesting and I think you know we we could be faster in this if it wasn't for obviously there's a lot of um yeah issues around testing on humans and so a lot of these studies are based around sort of mice at the moment because yeah there's legitimate reasons why you can't do that but um it is very very interesting and you know, again, related to things like Parkinson's, there's no sort of downside to helping support your gut, really, you know, the worst thing that can happen is nothing's gonna happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a relatively um, mild sort of way of helping to just even, you know, even if it it helps a little bit. Um, But yes, certainly it's very exciting times in terms of the research and development into these areas.
0: it really is and how can people know whether they need to this is something that they need to address as you said you mentioned that i think it's important to know that there's no harm in every anyone doing it because as you said the worst thing that's going to happen is nothing happens but what how can people know if to sort of if they they really could benefit from from looking at their gut health
1: yeah i mean i think look the reality is that our our guts are under a lot of daily onslaught, right? Because our lifestyles have also changed dramatically over the last, say, 20 to 30 years. In that, I mean, even you could even say in the last 10 years with things like, um, you know, a change in our diet, the change in the quality of our soil, the overuse of certain medications like antibiotics and um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that we know have a direct impact on the gut. Then you landpins and stress. Who's not stressed? We have no boundaries whatsoever to um, stimulation, digital. You know, we that's twenty-four hours seven. So there's no. Um, our mind is constantly switched on and as i said it's a definitely a bi-directional so i think on some there's there's it'd be very hard to sort of say that there's somebody not living in the western world that some you know has got there is where they' got is not challenged on some level right whether or not they then exhibit Direct symptoms is something else, but we can all benefit from because of all of those reasons and more. I mean, I could go on about sleep and how sleep affects the gut too. But you know, there's there's lots of reasons why most of our, our us will our guts will be sort of challenged. Um, but having said that, you can also tell what where your gut might be. Let's just say less happy. Um, with looking at your, you know, your daily movements, because you know, for most of us, you know, going to, having a daily movement is is going to be kind of you know what we're kind of aiming for really, um, and you can sort of tell a lot by the quality and the consistency and the way in which you're you're going to the toilet every morning, right, or whatever point in the day you're going to the loo. Um, so I'm not saying that people should, you know, obsessively check their number twos here, but, you know, just having a bit of an eye on it can tell you quite a lot about your gut health. So, you know, not having too much urgency, not straining. So something where you just, it's a quite a, a pleasant feeling, really. You come out having that, what's it I, I kind of used in the first book, a sense of evacuation euphoria, you know, that you don't feel like you're gonna go back, that you've done the job, Um, and looking for some, you know, consistency. So something like an ice cream type consistency is a good way, like log shaped, a nice sort of mid-brown color. There's actually something called the Bristol stool chart that you can sort of have a quick squiz at and that will tell you roughly what you want your movements to look like. But it's interesting when I see clients in my practice where they've deemed, you know, their bowel movements to be their normal, which is actually something like, you know, they might not even go to the toilet for about, you know, they might go once a week, or um other clients that are running back and forth to the toilet about three or four times a day. Um, so it's good to kind of have a look at your, like I said, not obsessively checking them, but just to have a bit of an eye on it. And you can definitely tell a lot about what's going on with your gut there. It's almost like a daily reading in a way and i think that maybe with all the technology that we've got coming out around all of this stuff and dna and um you know whatnot we might even have apps that can read our movements and tell us okay you need a bit more fiber or you're lacking in this or whatever because there's so much that you can sort of tell from that
0: you should you should develop that app there i think that's a <laughs> there you <go. laughs> <laughs> i can read the next one. Oh, that, that is so interesting. And I think it's it's so important it's just not to just you know flashing away important data almost about ourselves that could really, really benefit our as with everyone is learning today more it's not just about your physical health with the gut it's all so so um impactful on your on your mental uh well-being as well so it's so so important what would be for, for anyone who perhaps i suppose there's a sort of two-parter question for everyone in general um what would be your kind of your top tips and, and sort of what they need to, what we can all be doing uh, to better support our our gut health um, and I suppose therefore within that a second part to that question would be if anyone has particular kind of um, struggles or symptoms I think yeah any any of your sort of top tips that you would give for people that they can yeah. actually
1: I mean if somebody's exhibiting um, obvious symptoms like inconsistent movements particularly if they're noticing any blood or mucus in the stool if they're getting a lot of persistent bloating um and they might and, and any sort of pain they should 100% go to their gp and get that checked out um so don't waste time on that um yeah but let's just say most people let's just we're talking generally people that have got they think they've got a pretty decent functioning gut or not so much they're just not Kind of in that extreme, um, so really, it's about basics. I know people really want to listen to things like this podcast or whatnot, or come to me at an event and say, "What's the one thing I can do?" Unfortunately, there's no gut health panacea. Um, it does depend, and actually, our health depends on myriad factors. Like I said at the start, you know, it's not just about diet; it can't be just about um, exercise or you know, or meditation. You know, all of those things together create a more you know a stronger system right so but the basics of gut health do are you know the fundamentals really are you know making sure that we are nourishing and feeding all of those microbes that live in our gut because we have trillions of microbes in our gut which sounds a bit mad and also they slightly outnumber us actually so you are technically more microbial than you are human um but they crucially depend on being fed fiber so you find fiber And sorry for the listeners that already know about this, but a lot of people go, "Yeah, I know what fibre is." And they actually don't know what it is. So it is um, basically a compound found in all plant-based carbohydrates that we don't have the the, um, capability of digesting. But it provides basically a really sort of hearty meal for the microbes that live in our gut, and they gobble that up and in return they help to support us with all the positive substances they produce helping to support our immune system and so forth so fiber is your kind of thing so all plant-based carbohydrates that would be vegetables fruits nuts and seeds whole grains and trying to get as much diversity around those food sources so it's not so much about quantity although that's we do need to kind of be aiming for roughly around 30 to 40 grams per day. Um, But what we understand in terms of the microbiome is the more diverse your microbiome. So as many different types of microbes that you can get in the gut tends to build a healthier and stronger microbiome. And the easiest way to do that is getting lots of diversity. So a lot of us do rotate around the same foods, right? So we might love broccoli, but there are other vegetables out there, right? So it's a bit like just getting a bit more colour, diversity. You know, there's that eating the rainbow, which is a bit of a cliche, but it's a good thing to kind of have in the back of your mind in terms of helping to achieve that. Um, So in real terms, because again, you know, it's all very well kind of just having that as a concept, but in real terms, it could be something like, you know, in, with your morning, say you're somebody that likes overnight oats or porridge when it's a bit warmer or whatnot, then just rotating that grain with something else. So it might be, you can get things like quinoa flakes now, spelt flakes, rye, um, whatever, buckwheat. So just getting a bit of diversity in that. So, you know, throughout the week you're kind of rotating around those grains. Have a bit of a selection of nut butters or seed butters that you can mix and match to add into that. Um, you know, Rotating around different types of fruit so that could be like some berries blueberries whatever and then another day you might have some like stewed apple because stewed apple actually is, is really good for our gut health as well um, you know so just doing that a little bit of that it doesn't need to be really thought out or planned and just you know a bit of seasonal eating also just naturally brings in diversity because you're eating what's seasonal and that will shift um, throughout the year so and I'm a big fan of seasonal and local eating for loads of reasons anyway but um that that can help just bring in a bit more of that diversity um so that would be the first one the second one um and these are not related to food but uh it's important so using meal times of pockets of recovery to sit and chew and properly chew because a lot of us don't do that we kind of inhale our food and then wonder why we're bloated and hungry about five minutes actually less than that probably two minutes after we finished our food is that if you timed it you might actually be quite shocked as to how quickly you eat food and that's most of us me included actually so I'm not some gut health perfectionist here but um yeah, ch- sitting and chewing and taking time over our meals can alleviate some of them, even the most basic of symptoms like bloating and, you know, um, discomfort. So just trying to take that time. Also, it gives our mind a bit of a rest because we shouldn't really be checking devices. And sometimes people are on multiple devices whilst they're trying to eat their food as well. So, you know, it's about engaging all of our senses. There's actually a really interesting book around that called Neuro gastronomy, or the concept is Neuro Gastronomy but there's a couple of books around that about how you engage all your senses when you eat. Well you do, if you go out for dinner, you're not just remembering the taste of the food, you're remembering the people that you were with, the atmosphere, all of that stuff. But when we're at home, we just kind of don't even engage in one sense. We don't even get engaged in like the taste or chewing or anything. So, um that would be a good tip I think and like I said it gives the mind a bit of a rest then so because the gut brain connection you know how can we expect our gut to be functioning for our minds elsewhere as well um and then that kind of leads on to what we did mention before and you would have done in your, your your yoga practice is some type of daily meditation so um For different people that would be different things but it does need to be something really that helps to engage the vagus nerve so your um you know deep breathing exercises belly breathing and those things that actually for a lot of people are a lot less intimidating than sitting down and doing an app or because that's not for everyone you know i i sort of you know i get that but um doing just five minutes of deep breathing can help to um, yeah, almost like soothe the vagus nerve, and that's what joins the gut and the brain. Because a lot of, um, a lot of my clients actually, you know, stress is a major trigger for their gut symptoms, and it is one of the criteria actually listed in IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, which a lot of people um, nowadays suffer from. So that would be a de- like a daily meditation. You know, we have to think about bubble wrapping our mind. We have to think about working our mind in a way that we go to the gym and work out to get fitter and stronger we have to think about you know the same analogy really with our mind so um those would be my top three i think
0: mm, no they're so it's so <laughs> useful thank you for sharing those and i think i love that that using that analogy of the bubble wrapping our mind and incorporating our gut into that i think that as a as a takeaway for everyone listening and for myself to to start seeing our gut as the whole but uh, such an important part of the kind of bigger picture of our mental and physical um health i think it's so so important has is this what you tell us a little bit about your your upcoming book happy happy gut happy mind is this have you what else can we expect from that
1: well yeah so happy gut happy mind was sort of an evolution of the first one so my first book was be good to your gut which i guess was a bit i'm going to say it was a little bit ahead of its time maybe this one is but Gut health wasn't really, I think in the last three years since that first book came out, it's got a lot more um, PR around it, I think. And people just are more, there's more understanding more generally around why it's important to look after your gut. But this one, it was sort of, I mean, I guess my background before getting into this area was my well, my degree was in psychology. So it's always been a passion of mine um around sort of cognitive health, mental well-being. Um, and so that kind of felt like a natural, yeah, like a natural evolution from the first book. Um, but also just knowing and understanding more about where the research is going in terms of gut health related to cognitive health. The book is there to kind of you know lays sort of some of the kind of basic concepts around that and um sort of readers get an understanding around what the the link is um there's chapters on there related to things like stress and sleep as well um and the role of one chapter entirely dedicated to inflammation because we know that that's one of the main sort of denominators in a lot of potentially what well, chronic conditions but definitely ones that are related to the, the health of our brain too. And then, you know, there's a few, there's a couple of chapters around mindfulness and why you can't just work on your gut health and expect your mind to just follow suit. It's a, but it's a, again, it's always, a, you know, a multifactorial approach. I'd love to say there's one key thing that's going to help fix everything, but that's not the, the truth really. Um, so there's a bit about sort of, um, yeah, min- mindfulness and, you um, you know, ha- helping to support our, our brain health that way. But also then, um, you know, looking at how to basically nourish the gut. So there's a chapter dedicated around that too. And then there are 72 recipes, I think, 70-something um, recipes on how to essentially translate the information into food. Because, I mean, I'm a big... I hate the word foodie, but I, that's the best way to describe it. Um, but I do really love food because I think sometimes often, I think people are, are kind of, uh, what's the word, disinclined to go to nutritionists because they think they're just going to tell them to eat like carrot sticks and pretty much that's it. And I, I'm actually a big believer in, the, you know, finding joy in our food and plates and very much a big, yeah. I've grown up with a, a Welsh mother and a Polish father so food was very much focused for us growing up and they grow a lot of their own and um, yeah so there's a lot of recipes there for people to kind of translate like I said the information into food.
0: Well, I can't wait. And I saw, I've seen some pictures of some of the delicious looking recipes, so I can't wait to, to grab a copy and, and they look very up my street, I have to say. <laughs> to begin to round things up a little bit, there's a few questions that I love to ask everyone. And that would be, well, you've, you've already told us loads of, loads of valuable advice, but if you, in a nutshell, what would be your biggest sort of general bit of life advice for anyone listening?
1: I struggled with trying to pin this down to one thing. Um, But I think, I can't, I don't know who this was quoted by, but I just love the concept of giving yourself permission to slow down. I think particularly related to like what we've just been talking about, slowing down with eating, slowing down with, um, you know, the amount of tasks that you've got going on. There's something, you know, our bodies do need time to rest and digest and also just our mind needs, um, you know, that recovery. So I think a lot of the time we just, we're on this proverbial hamster wheel. So I do think that, um, and it's also driven by, I think people feel like they've, there's, they've, they've almost like conditioned that they have to keep running a million miles an hour, that there's pressure to do that. So I think giving yourself permission to slow down is definitely um, a good thing for many reasons.
0: And I think that in the last few months as well, for so many people during the the pandemic, we've kind of that enforced slowing down. And for lots of people realizing, oh, actually, this is uh, pretty, pretty nice. And and I've spoken to so many people who have either started cooking and they haven't really been into it before or have got back into it because they've had time and saying how much, you know, they've been saving loads of money, but they've been spending it on so much amazing food, which I think if we can continue that. It will benefit so many of us in in so many different ways and then what what would curiosity what does curiosity mean to you
1: yeah um i I think curiosity i kept thinking about curiosity kills the cat i mean like that shows my age doesn't it um but um no i think for me it's just about kind of that whole you know wanting to keep discovering learning and finding newness and wonder in things um which I think really creates sort of progression and and positive development and like a real sort of excitement in life
0: Mm, yeah i totally agree it's that looking for that newness brings that joy which is so so important i think it has it hasn't escaped me the fact that the curiosity club and my name is katri and curious uh, the curiosity killed the cat i've thought i've thought about that many times <laughs> tell people where they can find more about you and your work and your book as well Both yeah sure so um
1: so the best kind of place to, well, I'm more active, I'd say, on Instagram, which is just my name, and there's not many Eve Kalinics out there, so you're pretty much going to find me there, Um, but it's at Eve Kalinic, and um, I've got a website, which is just my name.com, and that has lots of things like lots of recipes on there. Um, and just, you know, where on um, sort of come up upcoming events and, um, things like that, that I list on my website. So, and a bit about more about me and my practice, if you're looking to kind of, um, you know, maybe that's something you want to be curious about. Um, so that's, that's all on my website. Um, and then, yeah, the book, so the book is out on the 27th of August. So yeah. So pre-orders are on Amazon Waterstones, um, yeah
0: amazing I will make sure I put all the links to all all of those things in the in the show notes for people so they can find them easily and thank you so so much for all your amazing insights and coming to talk to us today
1: oh it's been such a pleasure so thank you so much for inviting me and having me on
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a rating and review letting me know what your biggest takeaways were. I love reading each and every one. Thank you to Simprove for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget that you can get 15% off with discount code curiosityclub15. As we're all curious folk around here, why not head over to simprove.com to find out more. Until next time, stay curious.